the backup that Mormon is not doing so hot? Like he's not the... Uh... Uh, no. a podcast that will never forget that on this date 22 years ago Jennifer Lopez and Ja Rule came out with the song I Am Real What's my, motherfucking name? my name is Bob sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host that's Abe how you doing tonight Abe doing well Bob yeah here we are Lori's here too how you doing tonight Lori Someone at work asked me today if I remember 9-11, as though they were asking me if I, like, remember World War One. <laughs> Fuck you. Yes. Lori's old as balls. Tonight is September the 11th, 2023. Uh, also, an uh, album came out that day featuring uh, Alicia Keys' famous song, Fall. <laughs> feels slightly inappropriate right. uh, only if you point out that it feels slightly inappropriate right. and then you perhaps you then also reach for the you know the, the memory of the people leaping to their death to avoid burning to death inside the, the slayer album came out that towers. day that was sort of prescient too <laughs> Back in the days where, because I remember Tuesday was the release date for Tuesday albums, right? Day. Back in the old right. days. Right, that was a big day because all the shipments would come in on on Friday. Usually, is the they they'd keep them under lock and key over the weekend, and then late arrivals maybe coming in on Monday morning, and then the big record stores would would open those boxes and put them on the shelves on Tuesday mornings. Right. By the way, to, in defense of that uh, person that uh, said, "Do you remember 9/11, Lori?" Uh, mm-hmm. Like, 9-11 is basically, like, the JFK assassination to us. Like, you know, like... I understand when, that, Abe. Why are you being right. an asshole? Because <laughs> I... No, you know. no. Old people remember the JFK assassination. And when I was fucking 22 or whatever this girl is, those were old people that remembered the JFK assassination. And she was asking me as though I'm yes. an old person. Right. And I'm not... <laughs> You're right, but like I remember the first time somebody, and it, it wasn't—I don't even know how it came about—but somebody just in passing mentioned that they were watching, you know, what they were doing when the JFK thing happened, and it just—I couldn't wrap my head around. Like you were alive for that. Like to me, it just felt like it was a million years ago because before you're born, things might as well be a million years ago, right? Like if something happened even like 20 yeah. years before. It's like, wow, you're around, you're like walking around and thinking and like 
this happen? Like, I can yeah. imagine, like, if you're yeah. a kid, you're like, you're wow, people. You're being really mean to me right now. <laughs> no. Why do you keep doing this? <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, uh, some uh, some neighbors, uh, this was years ago, I, I referenced, basically, like, where, where were you when this, yeah. uh, you know, and I was like, I was a freshman at UGA, I was like coming yeah. out of English class. Uh, yeah, where were we? We were like two, look- two, our third week, I think, of classes yeah. or something like that. We do like this that? every fucking year. I'm sure you we guys do. Have yeah. the- How do you not remember all of the subsequent 9-11s where you talk on your podcast about where you were on the first 9-11? I, I don't think that I don't Never think done forget, that. they say. Never forget. <laughs> there, there had been some... Uh, uh, push on the never forget i don't know if you guys have seen i think i've probably mentioned this maybe in the last couple 9-11 things but uh like kids are using like 9-11 as as like a meme template like where like bush is like reading to the kids and Mm -hmm. like andy card like the his chief of staff comes and tells them a second plane has hit the you know so the second one being the confirmation that we're like this is something like it's not like some accidental thing like something has happened and did people you are just, taking that sorry i have to interrupt you did you just yeah. correctly name drop the individual sure who sure walked did. into the room to tell george <laughs> w bush that the second <laughs> plane came in as though it were nothing as, ah, andy card that's who did it he came you probably got that wrong but like what the, the chief yeah staff i'm sure for, you for, did what a jerk uh, but now, like, I, I see this, like, on, like, NFL and NBA, like, uh, like subreddits and just just out and about where, like, it could just be the most trivial thing. And somebody's like, sir, like, somebody hit a sec, somebody threw a second pick six or something. Like, right. it'll be some <laughs> something that happened. I was like, okay, I think we're, we've, we're over the hump. Da- Whatever the 9-11 hump was, we're on the other side of it. Daniel but, Jones um, has just thrown a fourth interception in, yeah. the, in the first half somehow. <laughs> yes. Uh, what did, were you going to say about feeling old? So what, when I mentioned that, you know, everybody was, uh, I, I, I guess I probably shouldn't have jumped at the, uh, oh, I was fresh. I was like the first one to answer the group. And yeah. everybody else was like like 10 years younger. They were like, oh, like in the second grade. Like, holy shit, you're in college? Yeah. Like I'm in college now. I can't, like it started this chain reaction. Of like, holy shit, how old are you, dude? And so I feel that the. Awful. Old. It's not so bad. But I bad. take it in stride. I'm old. We know. are the right age. Well, they one of they were asking, like, what changed? And it was like fucking everything. Like the whole right. fucking world. Like I can't describe. I mean, I was like, you used to be able to go into an airplane cockpit. What about all the all that shit that sucks now? Uh, it's because of that. Like, it's, like I, it, I was like the. Everything, everything, everything was different. I can't explain it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when JFK died, what really changed, really? But 9 11 no. did change things, you know? Yeah, what really people changed? Pre- Fucking black people got civil rights. Fucking. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was a positive. <laughs> this is ultimately fine. More of that, you say, Bob? <laughs> That's right. Uh, I was calling for Deus Ex Machina's last week. Uh, uh, there is something to that, though, that I like one wonders because I was reading a piece today or maybe yesterday about a court ruling that came out that affirmed 
that the Biden administration was wrong to have cracked down on social media companies, uh, right. their misinformation, disinformation tactics stuff, and and not not really cracking down on social media companies. That's the wrong way to phrase it. Rather, uh, sort of working with social media companies to silence individual voices on social media platforms. And one wonders how much of the emergency powers that they seized during the early pandemic and then believed to uh, still have as the pandemic wore on year after year could be attributed to the same sort of thinking that led to a week after 9-11, John Ashcroft getting up in front of Congress and saying, as soon as possible, before the end of the week, we're going to need uh, a far-reaching new suite of powers that will give us unprecedented unprecedented access to uh, the individual information of citizens here and uh, people all around the world in order to prevent this sort of thing from happening in the future. And then they turned around and fucking did it. They were just like, yes. Uh, (laughs) They were all freaking out. Right. And so... You know, it's very easily now, and I say it all the time, I casually say, look at what the last 20 years has wrought uh, as a result of our reaction to 9-11, and can we not learn anything from being in a moment of crisis, and what that, what we're willing to do to our previously sincerely and closely held beliefs about the role of government, and, and how quickly we were willing to... Uh, throw those aside in favor of uh, the appearance of security. And then we watch what happens in the pandemic and an argument can be made that much the same thing happened again and to no great effect. There's a little bit of a reckoning going on here with uh, Sweden lately where they're going back and reevaluating the, the Sweden way of, of, of dealing with the pandemic where to not right, which was effectively, to do what the plan had always been, which was to not fucking freak out, not go the China slash Italy route, uh, or, or not look at what was happening in China and Italy and have a collective freak out where, I mean, like they literally, like, it's crazy to say it because you sound like a crazy person. They had like fucking police drones chasing people down the streets oh, yeah. in England. Like <laughs> they were. Wait, was it England? Or I thought the, the, the worst of those were like in like either China or like I saw some clips out of Australia. Was there something in England? Yeah, I, I, it believe was in like, I read something about England about how they were using drones to track people after they left their houses when they were supposed to be on lockdown so that they could properly punish them later. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, China, it got fucking crazy. Like they're welding people into apartment buildings right. and that sort of shit. And yeah, the really bonkers stuff coming out of Australia as well, as far as that sort of stuff goes. Like you're you're being violently arrested for being out of doors uh, in right. Australia, which is a very large place. Uh, <laughs> no, and a weird thing to worry about. I don't know. It's, it's reading you know, some of the well, 9-11 throwback stuff today put me in mind of... A lot of the stuff that's going on now in terms of uh, how we reacted to uh, the pandemic and and just the way that people always seek to seize power in moments of of great consequence and and, you know, what that says about what we actually believe. The uh, I think the the issue is like are people I, I think like the, the experience of both 9-11 and then COVID uh should highlight that no matter like how much you're aware of that 
phenomena where people, like, you know, something happens, it'll startle people and it'll, it'll make people afraid, and then they're willing to 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 allow certain things to happen, like whether it's like after nine eleven, like well, all of the civil what liberties. Zombie movies it, are about and zombie, you know, right? Media. What do but, you zombie? Meh, zombie stuff. It's all about. What, what would you do? And, and what right. happens? But the thing, right? But the thing is, I don't think there is ever gonna be a like a big event where people do the right things. We're like, oh, we learn from. Oh, this is similar to what happened like five years ago, or eighty years ago, or no, ten years if ago. It's similar, we know. If it's right. new, then we don't right. know, and you can't do the right thing because you don't know what that is. Right. So all the things that you would le- learn from the pandemic like if the next pandemic is entirely different like you're not you're not going to model it after oh let's be more lax because we went over the top the other way with that other virus but now this other virus is like more deadly so you can't apply like you you would be back to square one like or instead of a terrorist attack where it's like a stateless actor uh with the, the planes like it's like some other type of attack you would have to treat that different like i think it all depends on what happens. And if it's new enough or if it's different enough, then all the crazy reactions are going to be repeated. People are going to behave irrationally. Some people are going to do the right thing. Some people are going to do the wrong th- thing. And it's all going to be frustrating. And it's like, we can do this better. And then you're back to where we are now. I think the thing that connects them ultimately, though, is is less this... Because, yeah, I agree. People are going to freak out when circumstances sort of merit freaking out uh to to be fair uh circumstances were fucked up and uh we didn't know what to do and that's hi donald trump was president like we were already freaking out and maybe it's just a my old plea for epistemic humility in the face of these sorts of things which i think would go very far in making me feel better about the mistakes that were made uh in both circumstances right i mean and instead we have an insistence that I mean, I, I say we we have an insistence, but there's a great deal of an insistence that what followed after 9-11 was not just necessary, but inevitable for whoever was in power. And that, uh, you know, it, it Bush's line about how history will judge him, not he's not worried about what the New York Times or the Washington right. Post or the, the journalists of the day say. Uh, he's more concerned about uh, what they'll be saying about him 100 years from now. Um, By the way, not good. Probably, probably <laughs> still not great. Uh, he doesn't care. But he do, was do absolutely think? certain of of yeah, his yeah. mission in the moment, right? He was, he, and to some extent, I think you almost have to be if your aim is to do things, right? And maybe my problem is simply that I think we should do fewer things uh, in in less big dramatic ways and allow allow things energy. to play out. Uh, right. And and once you have a better handle on the situation, we will know better. And in the same way, in the early days of the pandemic, I was all for shutting down the schools for two weeks to try to figure out what the hell was going on. I think ultimately, in retrospect, we knew enough going into certainly by 2021. But I would argue that even going going into the fall of 2020, I think that there was enough information on the ground uh, that – you probably could have reopened schools if we hadn't turned over so much power to uh, administrators and and teachers unions who demanded yeah, that a no. A lot more we, people would have died. Yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know I, that that's. But you, they would have. So 
It, you can be okay with all the old people needed to die. Look at fucking Congress. But like, no. It's... But I, I'm saying that you can look at excess death rates, and Sweden has the lowest excess death rates of any uh, European okay, but country. Do they have the population that we have in terms of comorbidities? No. Right, but I mean, it, there's <laughs> they a. Just don't. If you were to rerun the pandemic, I. I think it would be insane to run it the same way that we yeah. did in the hopes of saving whatever percentage of life. Like, I don't – I think the point when you go and you look at these excess death rates and the, the I believe it's the uh, guy from Norway who said something along these lines that we sort of staved off a lot of the early excess death because when those – there's a there's a New York Times article from a few months into the pandemic that is like Sweden tried to go one way and it looked like it was working out all right and now they're all fucking dead and Sweden is fucked and this was a terrible experiment uh, and that was like I don't know six months into the pandemic or something like that but ultimately those numbers turned back around in Sweden's favor on the long run because what the other European countries did was simply draw it out now there's some virtue in drawing out this sort of an emergency situation if in the meantime you are preparing to deal with things in a way that uh, that leaves you better more capable of saving lives moving forward, right? Uh, unfortunately, we didn't know exactly what the fuck it was that we should do in the drawing out of, of time in order to uh, save more lives. But it was to not overcrowd the hospitals and blah, blah, blah. Right, but ultimately, if you look at what Sweden did, and they have a lower excess death rate than the rest of Europe, and say what you will about different populations and... And their healthcare uh, system that we don't have... Sure, all of that. They're not a dramatically different society than the rest of Europe is the point that I'm making. And yet they did better than the countries that had severe lockdowns in a way that even in the like in in large parts of the United States, we did not. Um, if you were going to rerun the pandemic, I think you would be nuts to not follow essentially what Sweden did, which was to say, look, if you're old, fucking stay suited up and home and away from people because uh, you're going to have problems. And if you're a young person uh, of, of moderate to good health, you're probably going to be fine. Yeah, do some social distancing. Try not to fucking cough on each other. But we're not going to tell you. Uh, not to gather at concerts or in offices or in restaurants or in schools because there's no indication that that's going to actually save lives necessarily. Uh, and they had better outcomes uh, on the long run than anybody else in the world uh, with the exception of, uh, of some Asian countries. I, I, I do wonder um, because, you know, uh, like playing it backwards, you know, knowing what you know now, obviously you would revise the, you know, the, the decisions – accordingly right okay we went too far in that direction here because we know that that wasn't a big deal and it you know maybe we could have done more this way maybe we could have prepared more as far as supplies blah 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 right like in retrospect you can do that but like going into it blind does it not come down to your risk tolerance like did sweden make the calculation that like we're willing to take a little because uh, we we have the same set of information as everybody else does more or less and was it just a risk tolerance thing and, and like America should more uniformly have been towards that, taking a little more risk in like – It depends on what you – I think that you have to have a more amount of information in order to do the proper risk calculation. And in the minds of Americans and other Western European countries, the risk calculation was – 
uh, fucking we're in panic mode and we're going to do whatever these I mean, I almost said the word elite there, but like whatever the uh, healthcare so-called experts say that we ought to do, which was, by the way, and this doesn't get mentioned enough. Not in keeping with what the plans were for a large public pandemic response up to this point. They freaked out just like uh, any other bunch of normies would freak out and they didn't follow the fucking plan. And that I don't know. That's meaningful to me. And I think that it's a it's a it's a result of a belief that through expertise and through caring in the right way you can actually control the world in a way that largely we must acknowledge we cannot uh that that it is we are incapable of that sort of control uh when we're talking about trying to modify human behavior over uh, many billions of people across the globe you know i i do wonder i don't know about sweden and other places but and and maybe and i also don't know uh the other 49 states. I can only speak to what happened here in Georgia, but like there are a lot of guidance, you know, sometimes conflicting. Sometimes they would just kind of go back and forth throughout, you know, from the very beginning toward, you know, when it all ended uh, Memorial day, 2021. Uh, So, during those intervening months, like there was a lot of stuff being said, like at the national level, at the local level and at the statewide level. And sometimes it would be different, but like I noticed that people were behaving the way that they wanted to behave, right? So there are a lot of people who didn't care, and a lot of bars were open, a lot of nightclubs were open here in Atlanta, a lot of just, there's a lot of interacting with people from very early on. Um, And I wonder if that's, maybe not to the same extent as Georgia, but like maybe people just, you know, the reason why we got the outcome we, we got with the pandemic had a lot more to do with how people behaved which didn't align with what people were saying you should behave like. You know, it seems like well, there, a lot of people were just doing their like own in thing. In America, we have so many different. There's so many people, and so many different kinds of people. Where right. in a place with a more homogenous population, like whatever plan they went with, might have been better. Right. It, it became politicized because, to the extent that it was a political issue wherever you were. If in Sweden it's not a political issue because the government is not telling you what to do, it is hard to turn that into something that becomes a cultural wedge issue. Right. Whereas here, the government was absolutely telling us what to do. But also in Sweden, the government always tells them what to do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They're just a more. They the government says, "Don't worry about it." Then they go, "Okay." If the government had said we're shutting down, they would have been like, "Okay, we'll do that." No, I disagree. I think that there would have been political backlash to that sort of thing, as there was in every other country on the planet, where a ruling government insisted that they had all of the answers, and you have to do what the fuck we tell you to do. But on that point, but you you don't think so? Regardless of. the severity of the virus, like people were going to push back in that way anyways. So I I think people were kind of bristling up up against like, you're telling me what to do and I don't want to do it. Right. Like if if this was, let's say like a little more lethal than, than it ended up being, people would have still taken that same position. It's not like people are like, Oh, I know more than the scientists. Like they're saying, fuck it. I don't, you said one thing one day, another thing the other day. And in any event, I don't want to do any of this. I want to live my life. You know, this is, 
obnoxious, right? Right. And, so, like, and, and but also looking at it from a consequentialist perspective, it was they were wrong, right? Like they were wrong to do the things that they did to, and for us and a generation of children to suffer co- the consequences that they will. My kids are going to be fine, right? I don't know what the generation of kids who lost yeah, it's the middle schoolers two to three years it's not just right. the it's not just the middle schoolers it's all of these kids who lost two to three years of in-school learning uh i say that my kids are going to be fine not because of their age but because of fucking who they are because they didn't they weren't going to school what two to three years it was a year I, I'm when you go and you look at the at the learning I loss mean, it affected three years because like that, that the spring of that that 2020 into yeah. the 21 22 season and i think that's basically it right i mean basically one it was, full yeah, we year went back plus to that. school right. this but i'm saying the scope of the because of the way di- different groups went back at different times some kids just completely lost the thread right like they're sitting there on their zoom yeah. class and they're just staring off into space doing nothing for 6 right. hours a day uh, i don't know what that and and when i say the I'm not referring to the fact that they were out of school for three years, but that the impact of not receiving that level of attention for that amount of time, uh, the way that they're phrasing it in some of these things that I've read, is that this could be three years of learning loss that these children have experienced, that they're going to be set back in that way, and it's possible that they will simply never recover. That they, It's a metaphorical way of saying they're going to graduate high school, but they're going to be freshmen. Uh, they, they will have lost that much uh, uh, potential. Uh, because of what happened here. And also, by the way, that's going to, and not to get off on a completely separate topic, but there's already the issue of how these community colleges and four-year universities have become remediation machines for uh, teaching every, because as the college acceptance rate has gone up, as high school graduation rates have gone up, because graduating high school has become an absolute necessity, uh, and they've had to push these kids through who maybe not necessarily should have or would have graduated otherwise. Uh, And these colleges have to do a ton of remediation work in terms of just teaching kids how to read and write and do basic math. Uh, That's going to be an even bigger problem than before. So if we think we're in the midst of some sort of major education reform at the college level, uh, I think we're in for a sorry surprise on that uh, note because the the cost of re-educating all of these so-called high school graduates who won't have the skills necessary to thrive in a college atmosphere is going to only increase the burden on these colleges and not not decrease it. I I do think – because in every other – regard I, I don't think we can learn anything from the pandemic it'll be like a, a a total mess the next time something like this happens again but one area i think you can learn uh from this past pandemic is that uh like the importance of of having kids be in school and like the consequence of having them i mean maybe they'll improve the remote learning maybe they'll we'll have robots by the time the next one comes uh so maybe this will be a moot point but like don't underestimate the importance of that to to say oh the kid will be fine i'll just learn on on the computer until we sort this out because oh the the teachers are of of a high risk or at a high risk so 
you know, and it's su- it was them. such a weird thing to have. It's such a cognitive dissonance with everything that we'd been told about public education for generations right. up to that point. Right. That the most important thing is getting your kid in school because it yeah. socializes them. That teaches them right. the basic uh, aspects of being a citizen in the in the world. It's civically important, socially important, psychologically important, academically important. All of these things. The most important thing for a American child is to go to a public school in order to become a better American uh, adult. And then for two years, it was like, yes, but no. Like, all of that is true, but this is an emergency, and the kid has to sit at home in front of a computer screen for two years. Uh, I don't know. It it was a weird thing that we were told to swallow. Uh, And it it doesn't – I mean, ultimately, I don't don't think that we should be terribly surprised uh, at the – at the results right back to uh feeling old uh i was w- listening to an interview with michael harris the second uh, a famous brave center fielder uh, rookie of the year last year having another uh, fantastic campaign in his sophomore season yeah he did a violence too and he said that uh, ronald acuna jr was his favorite player growing up nope. uh, <laughs> which uh <laughs> Ronald Acuna Jr. is 24 years old, and the center fielder for the Braves is talking about how he was his favorite player when he was a kid. I mean, he was just a kid, you know? No! What an asshole. Ronald Acuna Jr. is just a kid. That, that that is the most ridiculous example, though. Like you know, you see other people like you know recently, you know, like Tom Brady. I grew up watching him. I mean, that makes sense. Sure, he's Tom been Brady's forever. old. He's older than me. But. This, uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I have to be at least 30. Do you remember 9-11? Do you, like, remember where you were? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the, uh, maybe the pandemic will be that to the kids these days, you know? You were around the during the pandemic. The thing is, there's no... It's not an event. It won't work right. as well. It'll, they'll say, what was it like? Right. But it's like... It'll be like our grandparents like, oh, it was war and it was boring and the depression right. was hot. Ho- They'll just complain. That's yeah. what I've said this whole time. We're just going to have a generation of complainers saying, oh, you're going to prom? I didn't get to go to mine because right. <laughs> the whole world shut down. They're going to be awful. Sports betting company DraftKings had to apologize on Monday because the Boston-based company offered users a 9-11-themed promotion. Oh, that requires three uh-huh. New York-based teams, the Yankees, Mets, and Jets, to win their games on Monday, the 22nd anniversary Whatever. of the attacks on the World Trade Center in Pentagon and the downing of a passenger jet in a field in Pennsylvania. Oh. <laughs> After an outcry on social media from people offended by the promotion titled, Hey, would you like to guess at what they titled their uh, uh, parlay I- promotion? <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Never it is not something? nearly as good as what Mark Strassman would have come up with. No, I can't even imagine. Like, uh, what is it? It's never forget. No. Uh, that's just <laughs> what they call it. Quote, we sincerely apologize for the featured parlay. The featured parlay. that was for the featured parlay. That was shared briefly in commemoration of 9-11. The company wrote, we respect the significance of this day for our country and especially for the families of those who were directly affected. How, uh, how does this pass so many, like, I'm assuming... This is like, where I think that you're wrong. Uh, you always ask this question. How did this I get past the, the chain of command? <laughs> like, who, who signed off on this? Like, it was, it's like the in that movie... 
uh, Elf, where the the pages in the children's book are blank, and he's like, yeah. uh, "What happened? How did this get past your desk?" And you look at it, and there's just his big scrawling signature on two blank pages in the middle of the book. I don't think that like some no. fucking intern at no. DraftKings who has no. way too That's much power relative to the number of people that they can reach out to all at once was allowed to just come up with whatever he wanted to come up with. There's no, there's nobody's signature is on this thing. There's no way an Amer- like it, it. It just I just don't believe it. They must have farmed this out to like some foreign country that doesn't even know. Well, maybe a robot just, did it. Yeah, either that. That's a. There's no way a, a human American. I don't care if they're 20 years old. There's no way somebody would like say, "Oh, this is a good idea." Like, there's no way. It's got to be some foreigner or a robot. The company would not say how many people placed bets as a result of the offer. <laughs> Nor whether those bets remain valid or whether they have been canceled. I would, so the, first of all, if you want to have a parlay on the Mets, the Jets, yeah, and the Yankees, are you allowed to do it? Are you not? just not allowed to do it uh, because it might reflect upon some never forget promotion that has since been canceled? I, that's true. I mean, is this a? Uh, are they goosing up the odds uh, in, in a certain way? If you like, usually with the featured parlay, you get bonus. Uh, right, no, but I'm saying, are they doing that even more so because of the never forget? Uh, added like nine eleven times a hundred, like, like <laughs> Kim Jong Il, uh, Kim Jong Un thing. You didn't say that. Nine like, eleven times I, whatever. What the, is he saying? The guy in charge said that. From what intelligence has gathered, it would be nine eleven times a hundred. Nine eleven times a hundred. Jesus, that's yes, ninety one thousand one hundred. Yeah. Anyway, great movie. Speaking of great nine, is that the greatest post nine eleven comedy? Yes. I think it must be right. It's Team like America, the World movie. Police. What are you talking about? It is. It's it's an all timer. Uh, let's see. Any other nine eleven content for? No. Today. We didn't have it. That wasn't any. The uh, FDA has update, approved updated COVID vaccines uh, as, as the fall season begins. We have this spike happening now. If you look at the historical charts, uh, hospitalization and death charts track pretty neatly, as uh, one would expect that they would. We are, we are due for a, a hump. Last year's uh, fall winter hump was hardly anything like a little just a little baby hill compared to the giant mountains in the chart that we saw in previous uh september through january february's maybe we'll get a a bigger hump this time around only something like a quarter of all americans got the bivalent booster or or less than that i think even uh we were among them uh did you get the yeah yeah i got yeah i think we are a non-representative sample of americans I don't know what the kids got. I think the kids got a booster before the... Yeah, I don't think they got the new one. Before the kids' bivalent booster had been approved, so they weren't eligible for it. Abe, would you consider, uh, with the new, latest new and improved shots coming available in the next few weeks, uh, would you get vaccinated again? I wouldn't be opposed to it, but my plan was just to just, just go back to the regular, just get the flu vaccine only. You know, like in November that I usually do, and just keep it at that. And let's say say it's recommended because I mean, have they are they adding some sort of like this is especially recommended for people over sixty or whatever? I mean, like that's everybody well, needs it's to just do this. Normal recommended, like a flu shot. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, I would not be opposed to it, but like this year, I was just gonna just get the flu flu vaccine. Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I would get another one. 
Why? Because I just, it's I mean, worked so well for you. It's true. I haven't gotten the what are you thinking virus? But so when you say it's worked so well for me, I agree to in one regard. Of course, I have not gotten so far as I know. I've you're, still you're you can't not get it. Never gotten yeah, COVID. The point is that There's too many people in your life who need to not get it. The extent to which it offers protection is good on the short term and unproven to minimal on the long term, right? So the way that I heard it framed on the radio today was uh, perhaps if you're planning on traveling or being in a, in a you're, you're going international, you're going to be in a place where you might be around more people than normal, perhaps you would consider a week or two out. Uh, going ahead and getting this shot in order to have the maximum amount of protection afforded you by a shot like this, which only lasts for maybe six weeks or something like that, is because it's a diminishing returns type situation. Right. Uh, and if you're, for whatever, you're going to visit family and you want to protect them in addition to that sort of thing, yeah, possibly that That's makes how sense. His family feels we're, about him. That's how he feels about his family. Well, yeah, but we're going to a wedding at the end of the month. There's not enough yeah, time. Yeah, but we are then having Thanksgiving at Thanksgiving. Right, but there's always a next thing, right? So yeah. that's the question is if are if you're going to do it for that, would you go and get this shot three or four times a year at the, the maximum allowable frequency? They don't frequency? recommend it that much. They recommend it once a year. Right, and also but, but like they're that, recommending, I mean, this is the part that doesn't make sense. They recommend it once a year. It's only really good for you for at most a couple of months in terms of no, the level of— it's just only fantastic for you for a couple months. Sure. It still works later, just not as well. Yeah, I don't. What, what the good news about this, and I'll you know stop talking about it here in a moment because who cares? But not having it be this heavy-handed thing where you must go get this or else, or you must go get this or you cannot work or you cannot like it's nuts to me that there are still colleges that are like uh, our eighteen and nineteen-year-olds cannot come to campus unless right. they're fully vaccinated. Like what? the fuck are you talking about this is not how this has worked at all up to this point they don't have you don't go to college and then spend all of your time in a nursing home exposing yourselves to the local seniors uh who are then at greater risk you go to college you sit around in a room with a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds and everybody's fine even if they get the fucking virus so uh, what are we uh, doing i think not having the heavy hand here like it's just going to be another it'll be another diminishing set of people who decide to go out and get it it won't be anywhere near 25 percent of people uh it'll probably be right. like and, and, 10 and, to 15 percent and and to that point this will be the first new vaccine that's outside of the emergency era right so like i wonder is it going to be just as simple as going to you know, your yeah, local I think pharmacy. it'll be really similar to a flu shot in terms of how many people get it and what it's like to get. Most people will have it paid for by their insurance companies, from okay. what I understand, but it's not going to be subsidized in the same way that the that the every other round of the vaccines were. So this should be like like your flu, basically your flu yeah. vaccine. Yeah, yeah which Although, most like, do they ask for your insurance anyway. for that? Yeah. Yeah, they get your insurance information okay. for the flu vaccine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Did you see this story about the kid who ate the chip and died, and then they pulled the chip off of the shelves? What? Recently? <laughs> yeah, there's a... It's a spicy chip challenge where the... So the chip comes wrapped in a piece of 
foil so that nothing touches it. And it's just one chip, and it comes in a box that's shaped like shaped like a coffin and inside yeah. is a picture of the grim reaper oh. and <laughs> playing up the gimmick come on who would have thought a, that somebody actually died? it's the one chip challenge and it's got a bunch of the capsaicin chemical like injected into it and at, at many amounts per square inch and it's apparently uh, a very unpleasant experience to eat because people are stupid uh they decide to participate in this sort of thing uh and a 10th grader in Pennsylvania or something, or New York maybe, uh, died after uh, eating the chip. And, uh, you know, it'll be a few weeks before they figure out what actually killed him. Uh, but uh, the family has made the connection between the chip and the, the death. And the, uh, the Hershey company, which owns uh, the chip maker, which is a subsidiary of that company, has decided to pull the chips from from shelves in order to uh, only polite, figure out what's going on. What's the, I just listened to a really good podcast about the Tylenol murders. <gasps> oh, so yeah. good. I, I haven't listened to the podcast, but I remember like there were a few bottles that were left open or somebody. Uh, we, so we can talk about it. I don't want to spoil it for everyone, but we're talking about the chip. No, it's not a spoil thing. It's an it's an interesting. The Tylenol thing is interesting because it was cyanide tablets. Some well, someone. It was a few bottles, yes, that random people in Chicago took Tylenol and instantly died because they were poisoned with cyanide, and they still don't know who did it. They still don't know the culprit. Like they still don't know who did it. It'll be unknown forever. It's got to be a pharmacist, those schmucks. No, because it's the Tylenol. <laughs> so they were indifferent. The only thing they know, it wasn't done in the, what do you call it? the chain? The supply chain. It wasn't done anywhere there. It was done at the store level? It like was somebody- so some, it was because it wasn't just one store. So okay. someone either bought a bunch of Tylenol, put cyanide in it, and then drove around distributing it to stores, or someone went into s- several stores, bought Tylenol, brought it to their car, put cyanide in instead, and then put it back on the shelf. It was a p- person or people, but like it was not, it was only a few bottles and they were scattered around the Chicago area. Yeah, they teach the Tylenol response to that in like in business classes, classes of like yeah, how to all the stuff that how to after, handle right? a crisis. Yeah, right. yeah. Like, but I mean, but there's also all a the theory bottles. that the person who did it had a stock in uh, tamper-proof or tamper-resistant. The person who killed all these people? Yes, I mean that's probably not what happened, but it because it <laughs> until then you just opened a bottle of milk. You just yeah. you could go in the store and just open the chips like. Right. We take for granted now, speaking of 9-11, like how things were before, but like there was no foil on your Thailand. We To us, that's just you take the lid off, you take the foil off. The foil wasn't there. Right. The Quality sealed in- for your protection. Yeah. But you know, it is like if, if somebody were to just do like, a, oh, I mean, the chances of that happening again are pretty low, but people were just, I assume, I haven't, again, listened to the podcast, but I imagine people at the time were probably freaking out and they needed yeah. to take these measures to calm the anxieties of people, like, relax, you're well, not going to die. 
Right, but how many people? How many? What freedoms are being abridged by having a foil seal? I mean, I'm sure no, that there was a, cough, you, know? you can have <laughs> my you can have my no foil seal Tylenol bottle. You, you pry it from my cold, dead, cyanide poisoned fingers. Uh, but that person is not a serious person. Uh, perfectly rational response to the problem, I think, was was the the Tylenol what? thing. Yeah, yeah. They pulled. They destroyed. Like millions of dollars of Tylenol. This was also before everything used to be in the capsules that you could pull apart. Right. And and now they're in the tablets. I just want to read one quote from this AP story about the the one chip challenge thing. What? Is there a name for this? The chip? one chip challenge. I don't know, but like, is there, it. you're gonna die chip? Like, or is, is there yeah, like a name? I think it's, it's called the one chip P- challenge. P A Q U I is the name of the company, and it just. It's just called the one chip challenge. It's not okay. a particular. They didn't come up with like. There's no. You're looking for the Dorito or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's no. Yeah. No, I don't there's think no so. Name. Anyway, the, in the story about this, and it it goes around the country talking to different people and and relaying their experiences, uh, like a child who was suspended from school because they brought it to school and like six kids touched it or came into contact with it and became sick, and two had to be taken to the hospital. Uh, and the, the marketing people at this company are like, well, you know, we put the label on there. And it's like, no, seriously, don't fuck around with this. It's it's real bad. And people kept fucking around with it. And like, you know, what are we going to do if Walgreens sells it to a 10-year-old? It's not our fault. Uh, so anyway, there's this interview that they did. Uh, Joaquin Diaz, a 31-year-old construction worker from the Bronx in New York, said he tried the chip a few weeks ago after coming across social media videos about the challenge. He said he loves spicy food and wanted to see how he'd stack up. Diaz told the Associated Press by phone Friday that the chip was very hot, but he didn't expect the stomach cramps and diarrhea that followed and led to him missing work the next day. It hurt, I'm not going to lie. I was actually a little nervous, he said. Despite the stomach issues, Diaz said he had planned to try the chip again with some friends, but he decided not to after he heard about Wallabah's death. So, like, if you were to expand the casualty count, like, I mean, he can't be alone. I'm sure other people have had stomach issues, as he described yeah, it. Yeah, but they didn't die. I know, but you don't have to die. Technically, a casualty yeah, but I have of stomach chip. issues from all kinds of food. The so. chip was very hot. He got cramps and diarrhea the next day. It cost him a day of work. Yeah. And Miss then he work. was going to get some more to do with his buddies. What the fuck is wrong with people? Uh. Oh man, that's gotta suck though. Like if uh, if there are more that that are revealed to have like maybe not just like diarrhea but something worse. Like you know maybe this chip thing, the the, the yes. ingredients are all off. Is it possible that yes, the that, one chip yes. challenge yes. has killed more teens than COVID nineteen did? And <laughs> how should that impact the way we were uh, rerunning the pandemic if we got the chance to again? I think the answer there is no. Abe Chuck Todd had his last. Uh, meet the press broadcast uh, this week. I've long oh, toyed no. with the idea of uh, making us disclose things that we Googled in the past week as a segment idea for the show. But oh, yeah. I like that because I strive to have no segments except for uh, the Mark Strassman thing. Right, like, it's the only thing that I really care about <laughs> maintaining, uh, in the hopes that someday, like I, I think my ultimate dream with this 
is that somehow Mark Strassman becomes aware that there is a no-account podcast out there with a very small but devoted fan base who, from week to week, discusses his reports and wants to know whether or not he got off a good one. Like, I just want him to know about that. He doesn't seem like the kind of person who Googles himself enough to come across us in that sort of organic way. But I hope that someday... Uh, the Strasser becomes aware of our love for him. I, of course, I, I, I took to the CBS News website and tried to search up for us this week a Strassman clip, but unfortunately, uh, his only attempt he's this dead. week was he ate that no. Chip. He's, he's still around. Uh, I forget what it was exactly that he. Well, that, uh, the last we checked with him was it when he was uh, all disheveled, like in vacation mode, like at. The, uh, he's been back a couple of weeks from okay. that. He did a much too ser- as as you've noted before. When it's a serious report, he doesn't feel the latitude to really yeah. uh, try. But he had the he had a pandemic learning loss hit last week on Face the Nation, and then he was on the morning show that you watch uh, discussing so, so Alec. Sunday morning? No, no, no the 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 daily one, the this morning or whatever. Oh, okay. with the with Gail speakers. and Nate Burleson yeah. and and that other dopey white guy, Tony uh, He was discussing that. Uh, Alec Murdoch, that that scummy South Carolina lawyer who killed his wife and kid, uh, might get a new trial now because the clerk of the court was tampering with the jury uh, in the midst of the trial going on, being like, ah, you can't trust this guy. I don't believe his lies. No like, kidding. Apparently, yeah. Wow. Uh, this is a bummer. Because uh, it, it seems pretty oh, obvious that, get, that guy killed those people, and now he's going to well, get no. a new trial out of it. If uh, if somebody was uh, aligned with that guy, because uh, from what I gather, he was like a big deal in that part of South Carolina. So like if this person was like they were wanted to undermine the proceeding, would this help? Like, you know, like, hey, I'm going to deliberately fuck up the process to where somebody can change or make a request to to have a do over. Maybe this is like a lifeline that somebody threw his way. So the clerk of the court, by interfering, by tampering with the jury, was actually working yeah. on Murdoch's yes. behalf. That yeah. sounds right. At the same time that she's trying to sell a f- self-published book about the murders, so she is she's got her hands in every possible pocket. Uh, <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> now you're getting it. <laughs> I like the theory, Abe. I appreciate it. Because otherwise, like even if you believed all the things that you believe, why would you you would know that you're undermining the process? Well, like and his, their whole thing that his he's knows everybody in town. Yeah, he yeah. He's a big, anyway, big... I don't want to talk about Alec Murdoch. Uh, and also, although I will say, uh, and I, we don't have to play the clip, but if you look at the guy's name, it says Alex Murdoch, right? The way that the the normal English pronunciation of it would be Alex Murdoch. His family pronounces it. His he has chosen or whatever to pronounce it, Alec Murdoch. Which okay. is an entirely different situation. Now, uh, Tony DeCopel, your boy, uh, yeah. CBS uh, News Morning, whatever it is. Sounds like an he Italian name. Introduces the, it's an Italian name, but you have to pronounce it as though you're from Baltimore, Maryland, because it's funnier that way. DeCopel. De- uh, <laughs> he, he introduces the segment as saying that Mark Strassman is going to talk about. The Alex, like new developments in the Alex Murdoch murder trial. And then uh, Strassman talks about it, Alec Murdoch. Now, that is a decision that is made by 
de Copel to yes. say it in a specific way as it reads on the page rather than to go with the pronunciation that is the correct one but doesn't make sense in terms of the situation on the screen. Why isn't there editorial coherence between de Copel and uh, our boy Strasser? It's not acceptable. In Iran, Iran. No, it's not yeah, the I, same thing. I, I do wonder if uh, you are given some latitude when it comes to names. Because, you know, back, remember that uh, Qaddafi guy? Every news report on Qaddafi would be a Gaddafi, Qaddafi, and they would spell it with different Oh, uh, there's like spellings. 11 different spellings of I'm that like, goddamn name. Like, it's that guy from that country. Like, I didn't we... know it was the same guy. I had no <laughs> idea. <laughs> so maybe it's like a Qaddafi situation where like, hey, however you want to say Alec Murdoch, have at it. Yeah. He's a fucking scumbag who killed those people anyway. Who cares? Uh, anyway, Chuck Todd had his last broadcast of uh, his Meet the Press career. He's been doing this for not quite 10 years now, I believe. Took over for David Gregory, who was Oh, a- unceremoniously kicked off the show because uh, I, I haven't caught this uh, recent episode of uh, Meet the Press. But, like, it was – what's his face? The, the guy that was there forever, uh, who – Tim Russert. Who Tim Russert, yeah. Solid big – Buffalo Bills fan, did a great job. And, like, I think in the middle of the 2008 election, he just dies. Uh, And David Gregory comes in to fill in. And I guess the ratings weren't so hot because they just got rid of him. Like, I remember reading in the news one day, oh, yeah, that guy's out. That that chubby guy, chubby face guy, I think he's lost some weight now. But, like, uh, we're going to bring this other guy in, uh, Chuck Todd. He's going to... Right Gregory was. And he, uh, and I liked. Gre- I like David Gregory. Okay, he's something of a nothing presence, though, right? Like he's just sort of a. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a whatever kind of newsman. He did, didn't bring anything unique to the table. I don't know what Chuck Todd necessarily brought to the table besides like a great love for the game of politics. Like he really seemed to yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is, and he probably had like a lot of. I'm sure David Gregory had a lot of connections too, but like, I wonder if that helps. You know, like you have a lot of sources, people you sure. can bring on. Will you miss? Like, I don't think Chuck Todd will be missed as the. Like, I, I don't think Kristen Welker is particularly great in the, to the extent that I've seen her fill in before. Like, to some extent, she seems also really excited about the game and like <laughs> like that. Right. It's not exactly what I'm after in in terms of my Sunday morning hosts. Did you have um, anyone in you mind? Love Maggie Brennan. Yeah, Brennan's pretty good. Yeah, Maggie Brennan's pretty great. Like you uh, know, because they have a bunch of people. You know, because Kristen Welkler, she she would show up occasionally to to fill in, or she'd be part of the panel. But there's other people like in the NBC News team that just kind of are. Just hovering around that show, like was there someone else that you thought it could have worked with, or like it didn't matter who they pick? Like, yeah, I don't know. They'll let her do it for a few years, and if it's not going, like it's not like it's going anywhere. And the production costs on these fucking shows is absolutely nothing, and they know they're getting a fairly affluent audience out of the deal, even right. if it's a, fa- a fairly small audience. So they and, make and, they make money. They're not they're not lost leaders by any means. They make money. It's just a couple of talking heads, and they have to pay for the hotel rooms for the guests who show up on uh, on the panel. But besides that, it's not like it costs anything. Right. I mean, and if there's uh, you know if you look at the uh, this week model where you have George Stephanopoulos' name on the show and he shows up maybe like twice a year, right? Like, it guess it doesn't really matter who the. I mean, people show up for meet the press in the data download. Uh, halfway through the show. <laughs> Not for the host. 
Anyway, I bring up Chuck Todd's last week, not just because I want to play a clip from an interview to have a, di- a separate sort of discussion, but because I was talking about our, our never-yet-tried segment of discussing the things that we've Googled in the week yeah. uh, in uh, to embarrassing effect and, and great hilarity, hopefully. Uh, but the thing that I Googled this week was, uh, what did Chuck Todd actually do to get fired from Meet the Press? Because I, I was, I was, there were different formulations of that, but I was scouring the internet right. for the dirt on why Chuck Todd is now getting fired. Because it's not like he ever had a passionate fan base or anything like that. Like, right. like what's, what's the? I assume it's just sort of a the zeitgeist, the feeling of the times, the the spirit of our age. Uh, Chuck Todd can read that room and says, I got to do this for a decade. And in uh, current, as is the current fashion of the times, I have chosen a black woman uh, to succeed uh, in this seat. And so Kristen Welker, it will be, and he will, he will make way. And I imagine there's, there's a little bit of that going on in his the only thing that he's said publicly is he's watched too many of his colleagues throw their entire lives away as their as their families grew up around them and they weren't paying enough attention to their families. And I have two young children. I want to spend more time with them, which is almost always bullshit. There's something else going on there. That will never go away, though. The falling back. Oh, yeah. I, I, I realized the other day I had a family that I'm going to go to. Like, why do people always fall back to, like, spend more time with the fam I mean you had the family before like yeah yeah who knows development uh, uh, but I don't think Chuck Todd will be greatly missed but I did google trying to find the dirt on Chuck Todd this week and came away with nothing I did not uh, uh consider this but you mentioned that like he like do, do you think it was his sole decision to make or some higher up decided the next person I sort of get the impression that he was fine there and that he could have done what he wanted to do and like because people have yelled at chuck todd in the past for like he has caused controversy because he's so willing to ask questions about the nature of the game about the horse race rather than really challenge people on the things that they're actually doing that's sort of the nature of the criticism of chuck todd is that he is much more interested in the inside the beltway uh, scorekeeping and horse race aspect of covering politics. Uh, but that's what NBC News does. Like, that's just right. sort of their model. And certainly on the political desk, that has been there. And it's the model of all of the networks. So to me, it doesn't seem like I don't think Kristen Welker is an interesting enough hire to suggest like a changing of the guard in any fundamental way. She is, uh, as she, she identified herself as a Chuck Todd protege in the exit segment that they did in the, the sort of handoff that they did at the end of the show. Like she looks at and, and discusses politics in much the same way as her friend Chuck Todd does and, uh, will continue to do so. I, I sort of do get the feeling that he made this exit of his own volition and this, he's not being forced out, but who knows? I cannot know. I did want to play this clip, uh, and I'm going to play it back-to-back with another clip from uh, Virginia Public Radio uh, to hopefully make a point that makes some coherent amount of sense. This is Chuck Todd talking with uh, California governor and future nominee of the Democratic Party, uh, whether it's in 24 or 28. Who can say for sure? Uh, The governor of California, Gavin Newsom. 
Let's make the case. Let's stop. I mean, let's make what the you're case of what you're not the Biden administration. There's no, no plan B just for you. The, uh, no, and perhaps there's never been more consistent words that have come out of my mouth than that. I understand that, but I have something has always has, has hit me for a while with you in particular. Yeah. Your political hero is Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby. Well, what would Bobby do? Bobby ran. <laughs> Bobby ran. Yeah. He did it. Now. You could argue that he waited for somebody else to prove LBJ was vulnerable before jumping in. We could, yeah. we could debate the particulars yeah. of, of when. Um, if you're going to go bold, sometimes you go when everybody tells you not to go. Yeah, I'm a, I, have, I haven't plotted this out. I'm not this Machiavellian. I, I have, I, I, uh, that said, I'm all in with President Biden, proven that over and over and over again in private uh, and increasingly in public. I want to continue to make that case. And, and again, I don't want to just go through talking points, but I'm serious when I say this. Uh, a little less time on his age and on whether or not he's going to run, a little more time on the damn record. Wonder why there's a gap between performance uh, and, uh, and perception. I think it's pretty obvious because we consumer, you're nothing but a mirror of your consistent thoughts. Yeah. Whatever you focus on, you find more of. And right now, the Democratic Party, the press and others, so focused situationally on his age, should he or should he not run, and not on his record. And so our job is to get out of that muck uh, and to get back on our feet making the case. And am I supposed to interpret that comment about the vice president, that if for some reason the president chose not to run at this point, well, that's the natu- everybody that, rallies around the, her? It's the Biden-Harris administration. That's a, Maybe I'm a little old-fashioned. All right, I'll stop it there. I was trying to get to the point, and it, again, the problem is that it's hard for me to pull one particular quote uh, to illustrate the point because it's sort of just the general feeling that I get from watching him talk. But when he's talking about Biden's age and suggesting that this is all just uh, wallowing in self-pity and and confusion about things when we should just be focusing on the record and that any concern about Biden's age is a distraction from the hard work that needs to be done to get President Biden reelected because of how important President Biden is to the policies that he has enacted, that, 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 that Biden himself somehow represents the driving force of democratic policy coming out of this White House uh, strikes me as just wildly insincere. Uh, It seems like total bullshit when he says it and to suggest that he hasn't thought about uh, mounting some sort of a run or a challenge to Biden or in the event that Biden decides not to run uh, to his former attorney general uh, of California, the the senator – Vice President Harris, is silly. Of course he's thought about these things. Everyone knows he's thought about these things, and it is absurd of him to suggest, I'm not this Machiavellian who plans all these sorts of things out. No, you don't make specific plans, but it's total fucking bullshit for you to suggest that you haven't thought about these things, just as it's bullshit to suggest that Biden's age is something that's a made-up concern that we shouldn't be worried about because we should look at the stellar accomplishments of the Biden administration. And that's fine. If you're a Democrat, you should be cheerleading everything that the Biden administration has done since taking over in 2021. I fully expect that. That's totally fine. Don't further feed me the line that it's because of Joe Biden that all of this shit has gotten done. If we were to reelect Joe Biden, we are reelecting the 
administrative state around him. We're reelecting the the idea of a Joe Biden presidency that handles the actual Joe Biden, the president, with these crazy kid kid gloves that keeps him out of reach of the media, that whisks him the, away whenever it seems like things are getting a little bit out of sorts, and uh, a guy who just walks away in the middle of ceremonies and interviews when he feels like he can't <laughs> handle it anymore. He just right. gets up and wanders out of the back of the room right. as when though tr- it's totally normal, as right. though he hasn't just fucking filled his diaper, which is what it looks like. And I'm not saying that the president has just filled his diaper, but it sort of looks like the president has just filled his diaper, and that's why he needs to leave the room. And it and it and it's the sort of disingenuousness and and like it's not exactly PC, but it's what we hate about politicians, right? It's what we hate. They tell these lies about what's actually going on in their heads. And uh, forgive me for the tired uh, line of thinking that leads me to this conclusion, but this is how we get Donald Trump. It's telling lies to everyone with a big fucking shit-eating smile on your face that no one believes. The guy sitting across the table from you doesn't believe that Joe Biden is perfectly capable of being the president of the United States until he's 86. You don't believe that he can do that until he's 86. No one believes. And when we ask the American people, uh, 70% of them think he's too goddamn old or 80% of them think he's too goddamn old to do this. Uh, what are we doing here and telling this lie over and over again? Andrew Sullivan wrote a great piece on Friday that went up on his Substack about how Donald uh, – not Donald Trump – how Joe Biden can bow out now as a hero. It's not too late for him to take a bow and exit the stage as the hero that we elected him to be, which was to – uh, replace Donald Trump and get us out of this fucking pandemic in some reasonable way. And you can admire some of the social policies uh, and the spending that he did. If you're a Democrat, you can even admire, uh, though it turned into a, something of a disaster in the moments that it was happening and in the immediate aftermath of it. And maybe you are uncomfortable with the consequences in terms of the Taliban taking back over in Afghanistan. But you can admire the fact that we are out of Afghanistan uh, after after 20 years and thinking that perhaps we never really would be, but also acknowledge that the time has come for you to leave the stage. And, uh, and if in the worst case scenario, uh, Joe Biden goes up against Donald Trump again, and though it seems an impossibility looking at the electoral math, uh, Donald Trump were to win, then you will have accomplished nothing. Then that one thing that you can point to that says, I got us out of the Donald Trump thing in 2020 is gone. The legacy is gone. You're a footnote to the greater Donald Trump phenomenon uh, that, that took over here in this insane time in this country. And so now is the time. Now you can bow out let the democratic uh, party play out its uh, uh its process in a democratic way and and uh let let the next generation take over and it seems obvious to me that that's what should happen so so a couple of things uh and i'm just gonna say all of them just i know you're gonna jump at some of these so just don't uh a couple of thoughts the the interview that the governor from California gave, all things that you said are true, but I'm, I'm thinking like a politician would never say any of the things that they're thinking. Like that's not for public consumption, right? So like to me, like it didn't even register that he's full of shit. I mean, obviously, like he's 
wants to be president, right? So all of the questions that Chuck Todd is giving him in a private setting, he'll be like, of course, are you kidding me? There's a fucking old guy. Like, just fucking get out of the way so I can be the guy, right? This is me, right? Like, that's what he would say. But if he said that to the public, you would have disarray in the, you know among the Dems. Like, it would just be this, this headache of a, a story. And that's why he's not saying that because I mean, he's not crazy, right? So, like, to me, that... I understand that you're 100% right, but like, in what world would a politician come out and say, yeah, this fucking guy is old. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, in the, world, in the com- world we're living in since June of 2015 is the world in which it has right. to be so done that way. That goes way. to my second point, right? So if Donald Trump were to win, it would have nothing to do with Joe Biden's age. Like, for some reason, there's... A bunch of people who, after all this happened since 2015 and after he left office, people are going back to that well. Like, because the thing is, the weird thing about Joe Biden is that like, we will not is, we will not elect a senile man to be president. And if they're both and whether senile, you, whether what do you, you think? believe like this, uh, that Donald Trump is some young guy, like he's an old doddering man. So, too. so Sullivan addresses exactly that point in the piece, which is that while Trump is fucking crazy, he right. also has a. a, a a disgusting passion and energy and vigor for enacting what he cares about, which is just revenge. It's just petty, personal, ego-fueled uh, vengeance. But he has that energy and that coherence of of passion that somebody like Joe Biden, specifically, uh, lacks entirely because he's so fucking old. And yeah, yeah. Are they only, what, less than four years apart, I think, in age? Three, yeah. two, two and a half, yeah. three years three, apart or something years, like yeah, that? something like that, yeah. Uh, they seem a decade separated just when you listen to them talk. Like it, it, every single time Donald Trump talks, he sounds a certain way. And about one out of every ten times that Joe Biden talks, does he sound like he's uh, right. in, in the same sort of command of himself and his faculties as Donald Trump is. And so you can point to the number all you want. The way that it reads on the screen is that Donald Trump is fucking vigorous and full of energy Even and Joe Biden's and, and, and Joe Biden's fucking old. Like right. there's no getting around the the feeling that that it produces in you when you watch these things happen on the screen. Right. That is true. Yeah, I'm not denying the feeling that uh, the when you see tr- uh, Biden it's like holy shit, this guy completed a sentence, maybe he'll go for two, right? I mean, I get that. But like, <laughs> right. but Joe Biden's in better physical shape than, than, than Trump. Like, you know, if you look at the vital statistics, like, I mean, the cha- I don't know if you have any actuarial people on the sh- listening to the show, but like, if they ran the numbers, like, Trump could run the numbers, Run the numbers die. all you want. Right. Uh, if I were to offer you future odds yeah. on who's going to live longer— Oh, Who would Biden's you going to live longer than what's this? Yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, would like, you how, bet on how that right now? She, how, yes. <laughs> Although I, I need, I have an outstanding uh, thing with presidents uh, and living. Uh, so once that's uh, settled. Yeah, you are, you are too <laughs> reliable on this exact question. So I'm not sure we should listen but, to you at all. But there aren't too many uh, 80-year-olds eating a lot of cheeseburgers, right? So, like, I mean, it, I'm, I'm already surprised he's gone this far. But to, to the larger point uh, – What's weird is that you know all of the arguments against uh, 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 Joe Biden running uh, make a hundred percent complete sense. I don't know why he this was. I mean, in, in some ways, I thought this was kind of the strategy. Like he was supposed to be like kind of like the steward, like the like the handoff guy. Like I'll come right the ship, 
win this, get us out of this little thing, and then like my VP uh, or somebody else will take over and I'll fuck off, you know? Because like I'm not gonna be president in January of 2029. Right? I'm gonna be like 86 years old. That's the math doesn't make sense, right? So like all along, I thought like this was the strategy, but when he decided to go for for a second go, like all of the uh, polls that have come out, you know. 90% of Republicans and like 70% of like Democrats and everybody's like this guy. Yeah. Way too old. He's way too old. God damn it. He's so old. He's way too old. He's way too old. And his approval rating is like in the low forties, just stubbornly like at 41%. Right. And if you look at a Gavin Newsom or Kamala Harris or somebody else, you know, another democratic presidential person, let's say you you're to sub Joe Biden's name with, some other person, somebody's like 20, 30 years younger, yeah. the prospect of them winning would not really change. Like, in other words, the, the people who are voting for Donald Trump are going to vote for Donald Trump, whether it's an 80-year-old Joe Biden or a 50-year-old Buttigieg or whatever, right? So, so I, think, like, I think that you're basically, you're basically correct on the, on the larger question, but I think that on the margins is where this election is going to be won anyway. And we're talking about in 2016, uh, three states and fewer than 90,000 votes, I believe. Yeah. In 2020, we're talking about three states and fewer. still not a woman. Three states and fewer than 50,000 votes, I believe, uh, it was the difference between right. a Biden and a Trump presidency. Hey, speaking this- of old guys uh, riding the ship. Uh, Aaron Rodgers hurt his ankle on the first drive and has been out for the game. No way. It- the didn't we say something Jets was gonna losing six to <laughs> didn't, didn't we say like some time ago that something was gonna go wrong with this Jets team because it's the Jets? Like I are you said, serious? I cannot wait for the Jets to lose eleven or twelve first games drive. this year. The very first game, the very first and another New York team, boy, that's a bad nine eleven. Uh, it's gonna commemoration. be, a, it's gonna Buffalo, be so. a great week in back page headlines for the New York uh tabloids that's for sure holy hell wow i thought they would uh at least it would have like some good news in new york but that's terrible it, it, it it's not like uh i'm not watching the game but it's not like a serious injury right just out for the game like it's, it's, his, he hobbled off okay it's an Boy. ankle he didn't <laughs> die for a few minutes on the so, field so so the, the uh the backup that mormon is not doing so hot like he's not uh, uh no oh boy no well, so much for the Jets season. Anyway, like I was saying, this is an election that's going to be won by a, a tiny margin, in all, if, if the last two have anything to teach us, uh, though it will be decided by some 10 million votes on a popular yeah, level. Yeah, popular, uh, which doesn't matter, right, yeah. Which doesn't matter at all. Nothing is actually decided by that. Um, and I think that if... And and again, to go back to the Sullivan piece, he says it doesn't matter. And this is so crucial to any of these conversations. And it, this is a point that I've made many times before. And so it feels good when someone else makes it. And so when I point Gavin out. Gavin Newsom it. makes it? Uh, no. And in this case, Andrew Sullivan makes oh, it. Oh, when Andrew Sullivan makes it. Okay. Uh, which is that it doesn't matter what you think about something or what you think is the truth or what is actually right. the truth if fucking 48% of people think this exact opposite thing what you think is of utter 
inconsequence to what is going on in their heads. It doesn't matter that they're wrong. It matters what they believe. And if Joe Biden is senile or not senile, if some large percentage of Americans perceive him to be uh, either approaching senility or actually senile or uh, not even that bad but fundamentally incapable of leading the nation because of his advancing age, then that must be a serious consideration for the party uh, in terms of the future of the country if you believe that uh, those are the sorts of stakes we're playing with here. Right. Uh, and, and simply saying we trust the American people to not descend into fascism with Donald Trump is uh, fucking real stupid. Stupid if you look at what's happened in this country since 2015. They don't believe they're descending into fascism, right? That right. You, are, you are playing a, a, a rhetorical game there that discounts what's actually going on in those people's brains, right? Which is not the thing that you say is. So if an if a election is going to be won on the, on the margins, it matters that 70% of Americans consistently say that joe biden is way too old for this shit and there are some number there's a non-zero number of normal independent voters out there slash republican people who sort of flirt with the never trump thing or the never again trump thing who would vote for the person who they don't believe is crazy and who was the president for three years before the whole world turned to shit and everything was mostly okay yeah it was a fucking nightmare on the pages of the newspaper and things were real uh crazy and he tweeted too goddamn much but it was pretty good it's sort of like looking back on the 90s it's like yeah it was a pretty good time ultimately everything was fine then why don't we go back to that rather than the fucking crazy old man uh, who can't uh, get through a ceremony without uh, embarrassing himself or or his country. Do you? I do have one more important point, but just real quick. Do you have any? Like, do you think that the chances, if you were to replace Joe Biden with somebody else, and it could be like the field, like we can to be determined later when somebody looks better than Newsom looks now. Yes, you know, just the the strongest alternative to Biden. Does it increase at all the odds of the Democratic Party winning or not? Because to me, it seems like it's kind of like locked into three states. It'll be Georgia, Arizona, and and, and Nevada. Like basically like Pennsylvania and Michigan are solidified blue. Ohio, Florida are solidified red. It just comes down to these three states, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. Those are the three states. Who wins those states? Wins the presidency? And in many ways, it's kind of like it might as well be like a – a parliamentary system, you know, like if we had to where like you're really voting on the coalition, right, and not the person in charge, right? So like the conservative coalition or the liberal coalition and you're voting for one person over the other. So like to me, it's like I understand the argument that he's way too old, but the part where people are like, and for that reason, we're not going to vote for him. I don't think that's true. Just like whatever misgivings people have about the two, three, four indictments, those are not going to be reasons why people who would otherwise support Trump, like from not supporting, right? Like they don't like it, but they're still going to vote for him. Just like that, there's old guys way too old, but they're still going to vote for him. If those are the the two choices, and so like I don't know if there's any improving of the chances if you switch gears now. Yeah, I don't know either. I haven't, and I haven't seen a whole lot of. Uh, there's, I've I've read no polling that would inform my opinion on that, so I don't know what to say beyond that except do i think that joe or that pete Buttigieg would have a better chance than joe biden in the state of georgia i sort of do and maybe that's crazy to think that the middle middle middle-aged gay guy uh 
married with children has a better chance than 82-year-old Joe Biden. But that's sort of the feeling that that's the position that I'm in now, which is that I think that people are they're more comfortable with someone uh, with with voting for a coalition style democratic government if it's not led by uh, uh, an obviously decrepit old man. Uh, that's that's the feeling that I have. And, and that math changes entirely if it's Kamala Harris, who was on Face the Nation this week and is just as deeply unpleasant as ever. And I don't think that she can she cannot win in Georgia. She cannot win in Arizona. Uh, it. I don't think. I don't know about Nevada necessarily, but Biden uh, picked the right VP. He's <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm not gonna be sweating. Like, because if it was like somebody else, like, and or maybe if it was Kamala, but she just was performing better. Like, all right. Producer Lori insists that we should be done here. We've uh, had the same conversation three weeks in a row again for an hour just now. Right. The the the, the last thing I'll I, say, uh, and I'm sure I've said it before, is the once again. 2024 will be a referendum on somebody. If Trump is in the race, it'll be a referendum on him. If he's not in the race, it'll be a referendum on Biden. Like, and so, like, if those two things remain the same, it'll just be a referendum. Like, do you want to go back to the, that guy, or do you want to have the doddering old guy? Like, right. We have two incumbents running against each other. Right. Like, they they both have claims of incumbency, and to their parties represent the incumbent candidate, and. Yeah, would, I think. Would this that, be a first? Actually, now that you bring it up that way, would this be the first time champ versus champ? No, it can't be because of back in the time before. Right, but like, would a pre like had anybody gone back for a second helping? Wasn't I mean, Grover Cleveland president? did. Yeah, yeah, Grover Cleveland was president twice, but like, I don't know if he went up against. I don't know, but we'll see. I don't know. What I know is that the I think the the point that I made that I stand by is that. We changed something fundamentally changed with the rise of Donald Trump in American politics. Joe Biden is not the same sort of smarmy fucking liar. <laughs> in the, like he's a liar. He tells weird lies about like how his kid died and stories about things that his dad taught him when he was a when he was a uh, young lad right. and uh, and the corn pop stuff with the blonde hairs and the pool water. Like like psychotic fucking stories that a I person mean, should not. The, Tell about the, himself. The first presidential uh, run, like in '88 or whatever, I think he he got kicked out of the race because he like stole wholesale like a speech somebody else gave, like this, like hey, right? But specifically, he and and he took a story of someone else's family and shared it as his own, right? right. Like it was he lifted a passage from a book that was about like uh, a fucking coal miner uncle right. or That's something right. in in the north of England <laughs> and right. turned it into something that happened to him in Pennsylvania, <laughs> which like, but that's such that's a different sort of liar than the sort of liar that that Gavin Newsom is. Those are two different brands of politician there. And that that the, that sort of liar that Joe Biden is, I think people were comfortable with in opposition to the sort of liar that Donald Trump is. But Newsom and the, the way that he comes across on television is exactly the sort of politician that the people who love Donald Trump have been fed up with forever. And I think that uh, a little bit more honesty and a little bit less adhering to what he believes is best for the party. I think you're right. To some extent, Newsom is doing what he believes is best for the party by not uh, going full chaos mode and saying, yeah, I, I'm going to challenge uh, the, the sitting president here because I think it's time for him to exit the stage. I think he's doing uh, probably what is best for the party at the same time that he thinks, look, 
if uh, we don't win in 24, I've got a really good chance to win the nomination in 28. And I'm a relatively young man and I'll be fine. So I can I can sit on my hands until then. Uh, And I just think that his presentation of not telling obvious truths, which you don't you can tell an obvious truth about Joe Biden without saying I'm jumping into the race. And that's that's the only point that I'm making. I'm going to share this other story that I heard on the radio oh, today. No, Bob, it's time to be done. No, no, we're going to listen to this. Can't share my screen. Did you fucking voodoo some shit Maybe here, Lori? One too many thumbs down prevents you from sharing. Like that'd be it'd be a good gimmick if they if you can thumbs down. We're twice. at an hour thirty. What are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> so relax. We're not. I'm not done. We're going to listen to this. A free marijuana. Susan, when a customer walks into one of these stores, uh, presumably hoping to receive a gift of cannabis, what does the customer have to do to get the gift? Well, they have to buy something. Um, And that could be a T-shirt, a hat, a sticker, a CBD product, really anything the store has. And uh, as the store owners express it, in the event that cannabis changes hands, it's doing so purely as a gift. A gift with purchase, and the price determines the amount and quality of what they receive. So the larger the purchase of merchandise, the more grateful the store owner, and the more valuable the thank you gift. Yeah, um, just kind of depends on the quality and the quantity, I guess, depends on what they pay for the product. Well, of course, you and I are not qualified to parse the law on this. The Attorney General, though, I would imagine is... And he has issued a written opinion about these stores. Susan, and what did he say? He said that basically a store that, um, when when a shop gifts marijuana to customers at the same time or contingent upon the sale of merchandise, uh, it's illegal. Well, it doesn't seem that the Attorney General's opinion has had much effect to this point. In fact, you brought it up to one store owner, and she didn't seem to think much of it. No, she said everyone has an opinion, basically. Of course, everybody's not the attorney general, but, um, yeah, she wasn't impressed or that interested, but but well aware of it. Susan, what about police departments and sheriffs? Did you All right, I'll stop it there. I think we get the oh point. Oh, my God. There, Dave, no you, way, were, you is, were losing it throughout. This is what, not uh, a real what amused you segment, so? is it? What do you mean? Yeah, it's real. <laughs> you got a problem with, with the great Fred Eccles and his presentation and the way that he was asking questions there? Okay. The speed at which he talks. In in what way is something free when I give you money and then you give me a product and then I give no, you more money and you give me more product? This has been going product. on. Is, is this the first time you've heard of this? This is how it's been in D.C. for a while. Yeah, this is how it's been in D.C. for a while. But this is this is now our current situation in Virginia, which is that you can – Grow a certain amount of marijuana yourself. You can cultivate it. I think you can have like five plants, I think is the number. Okay, so not five, but four. Uh, And you can possess it in non-comically large amounts, I think. Uh, If you have a comically large amount, then they will uh, not be pleased with you. Uh, But you cannot sell the product uh, unless you are a a legal weed dispensary that uh, sells only to people who have gotten their medical marijuana card, which is a took 45 minutes, a comically uh, easy thing to do. And you don't actually need to have medical problems. It makes you feel better. And they are like, all right, that's all we need. 
so instead, what these places are doing, because there is no retail market, no legal retail market for weed here in the Commonwealth, uh, they set up their store and they print off a bunch of T-shirts or stickers or house plants or something. And they say, you're going to pay $75 for this very fancy t-shirt and if you are so kind as to buy that t-shirt we will throw in an eighth of weed to go along with it because that's just the sort of nice people that we are but this is a not a new scheme right this this uh we're gonna have a black market in plain sight under this this contrivance right i mean substitute weed for sex work right the sex is free you're paying for this can of coke that I'm charging you $100 for, or like this T-shirt that I'm charging you $100 for. I don't know for. what you're referring to. Is the, that how it works now? No, but what I'm saying is like th- th- that would be like a clumsy way to try to bypass laws against prostitution, right? Like just like – Right. There's no, there's no law against paying a girl to go out to dinner with right, you to spend yeah. some time just for the company. Right. And if it happens to lead to right. uh, a nice time back at uh, – a hotel room that she rented for four hours, right. then all all for the better. Right. And constantly th- this weird circumstance where <laughs> you're going out with a date and it always ends in the same way, like, and you're getting money as a result. Like, I mean, the transaction is very clear. Like, you saying free or you saying you're paying for something else doesn't change the transaction that's going on. So, like, if you, hey, I'm all for anybody making any sort of money, but, like, how is this in any way not a obvious flaunting of the law like you're just right no one is no one is wrong here the attorney general is not wrong that no, this is make laws better i I, th- I can't believe i have to write this letter but like this is a, a sham this whole thing is yeah. a sham just give it to for they free or just whatever, make it know? like in colorado right. where it's legal they're the ones fucking with this, not the shop owners who right. have found a way around it. This is ridiculous. This is the level, but this is so. Maybe it's too much of a silly thing to try to tie two things together. But I was struck by my reaction to this, like laughing at at the absurdity of the lies that these people are telling to each other and to us publicly about what's going on here. Uh, to uh, what. Gavin Newsom was saying in his interview, which is like, he's, he's just, this is, this is just a pure line of bullshit that this person is saying. Everyone knows it's bullshit. The attorney general is going to write a letter expressing how it is bullshit. And everyone is just going to continue acting as though it's not bullshit because it's better to be able to walk into this store and pay $50 for the sticker and then get some weed uh, as a bonus. Now, maybe this is a way for Lori because you're not allowed to – like Lori makes her own she, – she buys the weed at the at the store and then she turns it into chocolates. Oh, nice. Uh, in order to, to ingest. Like, and it would be nice to like uh, make them and sell them at a, at a nice cozy profit. Maybe instead what we do is we print out a bunch of CIB stickers That's and nice. we sell the CIB merch – for a uh, hundred and fifty dollars, and with your sticker, you get uh, a bar of chocolate. The problem is that the markup. I'd feel bad. Right. I'd feel bad 
charging people. This for... is the same reason that Lori doesn't like betting in poker. Is the same reason that she can't charge for her product an amount that would be uh, that would cover the her expenses socialist. and also be a can profit. We, can we be done? Can we talk about football and go to bed? Jesus Christ, lady! You didn't even want to be down here. You told me early. I thought earlier today. I didn't that say you, I didn't want to be that down you here. Weren't coming. That it was just going to be a just I the wasn't. dudes. I almost I even texted Abe. Not. I was like, get ready. It, uh, fucking strippers and beer I and said cocaine. I said not. It's going to be just the dudes here in the, <laughs> in the old I pod. If I said something definitively, I would have stuck with. I said I might not. Just, just It's going to be CIB the Biffler edition, but <laughs> no. Right. Uh, the, the old ball and chain comes stomping down the, chair, down the stairs at 8.30. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head on over to BrainIron. That's ridiculous. Why do I always say that? I'm not active on either of those platforms. There's no reason to try to also, connect no with us. no one's listening to your show on at the, Facebook this point, or so Twitter. So why do you say any of it? Send us an email if you're a listener of the show at BrainIronPodcast at gmail.com. I'll probably see that. Quick on the uh, our bogus future because we mentioned Tony. No, the, no, I mentioned Tony the Tyler earlier. Yes, was, that's a tease for next week. No, speaking of being out of touch with different things, he sent me. So I get a text uh, on Valentine's Day this year, right? And it's from a number that I don't recognize. So it's from a, a stranger number to me, right. which makes it unlikely that I'm going to respond in any way. And I see the preview of the text, and it's like. It's got a bunch of link stuff in it, so it's uh, it's like a, a weird-looking link, and it says, hey, it's Tony from my new work number. Check out this thing that I got for you here at this website, right? Like, there's something like that, right? Uh, and it was a link, as it turns out. He was linking to a Louis C.K. show. He was trying to share with me a, a Louis C.K. bit or, or, or program, and... Uh, and the Tony was my old buddy from Domino's, Tony the Tyler. But uh, long story short, I looked at that and I said, I'm not clicking that. I don't know this person. I don't know this number. Yeah. So I hit the three dots and I was like, uh, uh, block or mark as spam or yeah, something. Yeah. Or like Report mark as red. Yeah. Right. Report spam and it went away. And then uh, like... Last week, I happened to be, or a couple weeks ago now, I happened to be going through my list of spam messages because, like, what? every once in a while, I look at my He's file. He's so busy. He's so busy. Every once in a while, I look at my, my file, and within those, those because it's only like the last 30 days or something before they delete it, but because his number had repeatedly been texting me periodically every six weeks or something, uh, it was still there because he had sent me a picture of his kid or something a couple weeks ago. And so there he was, this same number, and it's a picture of Tony and his kid. And it's like in my spam folder. It's like, how did this get into the spam folder? It's like, because the our bogus future, he tries to send me this link. And I'm like, I don't trust this bullshit. Oh, okay. So I sent it away. Uh, and there, this whole time for six months, he's been in my, <laughs> my fucking did, spam. Did uh, the text get like uh, more uh, like... Like desperate hell, you don't want to talk. I mean, no, I've been. What the fuck, man? I'm sending no, because he's, he's not. He's not a needy type of person. Okay. He doesn't require. I mean, sure, I feel bad now, obviously, that I didn't respond to anything he said for a have year. Have you yet? Yeah, I've since okay. responded to. Him. But that's that's uh, that. If that doesn't sum up our bogus future in a neat little nutshell, I don't know what does. I will say though, uh, just if it ever comes up, 
for anyone. Uh, don't let the very first text you send to somebody you haven't texted in years be a link to something. Yeah. Right. It's guaranteed to, to raise the suspicion, it, it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially from a new number. New number yeah. plus yeah. a sketchy looking link. Yeah. I'm, I guarantee you my thought was, well, it's Valentine's Day. This is some sort of honey trap right. fucking thing. And I'm going <laughs> to click on this and it's going to be a half naked Russian chick. Right. And it's going to end with a virus on my yeah. phone. It's going to be a real bad time. Anyway, uh, Abe, uh, football, NFL made its debut. There was uh, plenty of college action as well. Did you find the time to make it to your local AMC uh, to, to go to the movies? I did. You know, so uh, generally, I mean, it switches up every now and again, but generally Thursday night is my movie night. So, like, I mean, I don't watch Thursday night football unless, like, the Colts are playing. So it's not going to be interrupted by any sport. Even like when uh, the Chiefs play it, I just record it and watch it later. So like movie takes precedence even during football season. Nice. I, I went to go see uh, this movie called uh, Bottoms. I don't know if you've heard of this. I don't know if it had like a, like a big This is the, uh, this is the, the lesbian comedy, yeah, so like I believe. a teen comedy. Yeah. You know, basically it's like that old genre, like just raunchy teen comedy, but the, they kind of changed a couple of things. Like it's like two best friends who are lesbians and their love interests are obviously other women. Uh, and so the, the common thing, the theme is that, you know, there's always this contrivance like in, in these comedies. Like basically it's like we got to get laid by the time we graduate. Like that's like the, the goal. And so like right. everything else is like we need to come up with some bullshit scenario to get closer to these people, you know, and then make our moves. And so like that's what this movie was about. I mean, it was entertaining. It didn't stick the landing just quite because uh, it was all over the so, place. Question for you. Is this is this brilliant counter programming to the NFL season debut? Like is it <laughs> is it some marketing genius at the studio being like, We gotta pick a weekend for this? What is the or is it the laziest sort of counter programming? Like it's because yeah. it's one of those two things. It's yeah. either a brilliant and I guess the only way to figure it out is to check the box office numbers. I don't think it'd be and too it, hot. No, probably not. So yeah, I'm going to go with it was very lazy counter-programming. And instead, they should have gone after the football-watching audience by dropping this in the dog days of summer and somehow trying to market it to your average NFL fan right. instead also, of offering like, it as counter-programming. For some reason, on the calendar, maybe it's because of school, but like September is usually like a, a month where they dump movies before the – award season movies come about in October, November, and so on. So well, like, you get a couple of early horror movies usually, yeah. right? The, 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 they'll they'll hope and, to release a, a horror movie that has a slow build towards Halloween, that sort of thing. You know, earlier you had mentioned about uh, like what what you Google. Like, So like the last thing I Googled was, I mean, of any import, was uh, where or when is the movie bottom set in, right? So like let me ask both of you. <laughs> A question, because throughout the movie, I couldn't really place what, because it wasn't like right now, right now, because like the first Were thing you see, and everybody's not on their phone, right? So like the first thing you notice is like, Were not everybody's their on their phone. All right, so I'm going to give you three things and let me know what, give me okay. like, like within a range of a couple of years, like when you think right. this okay. is. So uh, just only a handful of, of students have cell phones, like a couple of them, okay. right? Um, what? What do, the, do we know what the cell phones look like? They're flip phones. Okay. Flip phones. Commonplace for uh, students to call each other faggot. Okay. Okay. And flannel heavy, like that, the, uh, the, 
the wearing... 1999 to 2001. No, that's that's weird because the flannel heavy yeah. doesn't line up with the other two. Right. Disagree. This because... is this is 99 to 2002 or so, somewhere in there. Yeah. That's yeah. my guess. Of, uh, very... before, one last yeah, one bit more. of thing. They, there is a scene where somebody is making use of the yellow pages to like call somebody to Ooh, verify. Okay. Somebody. Yeah, mid 90s. Okay. So late mid nineties, right? So like I thought like late nineties because like when did the were there flip phones like in the in the mid nineties? Like that's the only thing that threw me off because like that's like in the early aughts, right? But there like were there were they weren't called that, but there were phones that folded. It they weren't razors, okay? But they well, were the, the razor was ubiquitous. Were, like what two thousand five, two thousand six, yeah. like just just before the iPhone came around, like two, maybe even two thousand three. Yeah, it was a yeah, but there were flip phones. My first phone was this one, but there was a version that folded. Right. So I I think the 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 answer is I think it's just like they made up. They just the wanted 90s. certain things to happen, and they didn't care yeah. about the the. Where it lands, yeah. because like in the in the movie they reference two thousand three, so this is after two thousand three. But some of the stuff doesn't no, make sense, not. right? Like you would yeah. not have. So like they were just kind yeah. of mixing things together. But just the whole movie, I was like, it's what pre, it's pre, it's definitively pre smartphone era. Yeah, that okay. works. Yeah. But still, the yellow pages you would have looked it up on the internet, right? Exactly. You would have Googled it, right? If so I don't a- I don't know about that. I don't. When did you consistently stop referring to a, a phone book and? I think in every apartment that I had in Athens until like 2009, you didn't use it. It was still a useful tool for getting information right. about the world. I think in as as late as like 2007, 2008. Okay, but yeah, I mean the, the movie, like I said, it didn't overall. It was fine. It didn't work. The, the, my favorite scene, which was just a throwaway, I think, for them, but it, it got the, the biggest laugh out of me for the whole movie. There's a, it's a stupid conception, basically, like. During homecoming, the two rival teams play football, but like they have to like kill like the best player on either team or some concoction, right? And they don't and the girls are like, We need to we need to protect the quarterback or some bullshit, it doesn't matter why. Uh, and so they're trying to prevent the quarterback from dying, right? And they're trying to figure out like how will the other team try to kill him, right? They're not gonna like get a sniper to shoot him, right? It's gonna be some other way. Earlier in the Earlier on in the movie, they make it clear that the uh, the quarterback that is dope is like deathly allergic to pineapple, right? Like they just throw that in there. You're like, all right, so I guess they're gonna kill, they're gonna try to kill him by way of pineapple. <laughs> so yeah. There's this big tub of something, right? That's like that le- like there's like a hose that leads into the field, right? And they're like, there's something. It, it smells weird. I don't know. What, it's something, right? And this one of the characters is like piecing together like some signage that was on the, the 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 thing and it's like a picture of a pineapple and it says pineapple right but this right. is like cut up right so they're stitching together like half a pineapple and they still don't get it they're like all right well i see half of the pineapple i wonder what this message i wonder what's in this thing it, they they drag out this whole scene of oh this is a pineapple a tub of pineapple, and that's how they're going to kill the quarterback. But it took so long to get there; it was the funniest scene I thought. But other than that, the movie was okay. Because <laughs> you would think, you know, like somebody would <laughs> a coming of age story uh, slash raunchy sex comedy about lesbians. Yes, and the best gag yes. is an overlong yes 
piecing together of the puzzle of how a quarterback is going to die at a homecoming game. Yes. Are you sure this wasn't a dream movie? No, it's <laughs> not real. It's you real made movie. the whole thing up. And then once they this figured is a out, weird, you know, uh, this is a weird porno you watched. I'm <laughs> certain of it. It ends with just like these students killing each other, and the movie is—it's like a very like just throwing out ideas kind of thing. Let's yeah. make a movie out of it. One of those movies. All right. Well, good times. Uh, I don't. I I suspect I will never see this movie. That is my guess. It'll probably about be on streaming by like next week. Bottoms. Although I will inevitably read like four think pieces about it at some point in the next few years. Or worse than the think piece, we have devolved out of the era of the think piece down to the like uh, scrolling my Google news feed. And it's like uh, Collider.com has written an essay about bottoms that uh, you must read four paragraphs of to get to the one little hint of a nugget of a sort of a point that they sort of had to make. And then you're done. Uh, and then there will be because you read that like an idiot. Now it'll be now collider and it'll be decider, and then you'll get like read. a a weird variety article from 2022 about the the making of this movie. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? Anything else? Did you watch? Did uh, we watch? Was, I mean, I watched a lot of football. Poor Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Alabama. Nothing. That was great. <laughs> that quarterback. I mean, I know the kid, but boy, that Alabama quarterback sucked. I know, I feel bad for him. I but whatever he was we not watch, ready for prime time, no. man. He was no, uh, that sucked. He he was scared out of his gourd back there, and I I don't usually like to give too much credit to the announcing crew, uh, but I think Herb Street was right on the money when he's like, I don't think he's reading any of the defenses because it seems like he's checks for one thing and yeah. if it's not there he's running away right. because <laughs> he has no feel for the pocket whatsoever. He was not. He was not willing to hang out. I think he got a little bit better about that in the second half where he would sort of hang in the pocket for an extra beat or two to no greater effect ultimately. Uh, but, yeah, he's not ready to go. That team is not winning the national title this no. year if they continue Calvin to look like that. Like, both of them, like, who do we want to win this game? And I always have trouble answering that when it's Alabama and anyone because I want Alabama to lose. But also, I think it's funny that Alabama wins all the time. Right. So, like, I want both. I want both things, which means I can't lose. I'm right. going to be thrilled with the outcome no matter what. I wanted Alabama to win in order to make $25, and I did not make $25 because I bet poorly. And that was frustrating. Well, you made 15 back tonight. How did I do that? On your son. Oh, yeah. My idiot son. All right. So uh, I tried to impart some wisdom to my son tonight, uh, and it backfired because he's a dummy. Uh, But he's dumb in the same way that I am dumb, which is that uh, I I tried to tell him, you never bet against someone who has more information than you, uh, which is a good rule of thumb to live by and a good reason to never bet on sports. Because what's guaranteed is that those people have way more information than I do. Whereas I, all I have, especially at the beginning of a football season, which is when it's the most fun to bet yeah. because you're an idiot. Uh, but at the beginning of the football season, I have no information. I have, uh, to borrow a, a, the parlance of our times, um, strictly betting on the vibes. Right. Just like whatever my feelings are about this team and that team based on my memory of how the Cardinals were in like 2016. 
2016 or so, or how, like how the Jaguars are based exclusively on the fact that just went ahead. Well, it's not true. They tied it, but they're going to kick. Right. But like whatever the situation is, it is not based in any actual knowledge. It's based exclusively on vibes and feelings. And yet this first week of the football season is the time that I will be most active on the gambling app, (laughs) uh, which is the wrong way to be. He was Bob wanted to bet $20 and Calvin said, well, how much money do I have? Because if I only have $100, I don't want to bet 20. And Bob was like, you have more. And he was like, "Okay, well, 15 then. I loved that was correct. The recycling in our neighborhood is picked up every other week. We have these enormous recycling bins, like the the biggest imaginable roll away bins that you can imagine would be at a residential house. That's the size bin that we have. And so they don't come every week. They come every other week. And so it's always sort of a, ah, fuck, is it recycling week or did we just do this last week? And what do we do? Because uh, they come first thing in the goddamn morning. They come like before 6 o'clock a.m. sometimes. So there's no like – there's no catching it in the morning. If you didn't catch it the night right. before, you're right. probably not going to save the day in the morning. So we tried to do it the night before. And I said, Calvin, can you please take the recycling out to the curb? I'm pretty sure it's recycling week. He's like, no, I'm pretty sure we did it last week. And I was like – uh, pretty sure you're wrong. And would you like to bet on that? I'll bet you $20 of your Amazon money there. I get to spend that $20 on something I want if I'm right. Uh, but I'll give you another 20 Amazon dollars. They have Amazon uh, money from gifts. If okay. you're right. And, uh, he was going to be an idiot and make that bet, but then he wanted to collect more information, which was smart. So what he did was he went outside <laughs> And he goes out to the sidewalk and he looks up and down the street and, and he comes back inside and he says, I want to bet $15. Yes. Like absolutely positive and certain of himself. And this is at like 630 at night, uh, before the 6am collection the next day. And I said, what did you learn outside that makes you so confident that you're right now and I'm wrong? And he said, only one other person has the recycling bin out that I can see on the street. And I went down to the cul-de-sac, and none of those people had their recycling bin. Only our neighbor has her recycling bin out. Now, so he went outside to yes. collect intelligence, mm-hmm. brought back intelligence that refutes his core <laughs> point, and then demanded to plunk his money down on the table. It right? didn't refute his core point. It did. It was it – was, uh, the, the, the evidence presented to him was that somebody else right next to our house yeah, believes no. it's recycling day. The important thing is that – because what I said to him was, was there a lot of trash cans out that didn't have recycling out? And he was like, oh, no, there were not. Like he, the, Nobody the, had neighbor, taken their shit out except our one neighbor, who is the lady, most reliable person in the neighborhood. She's like a thousand years old and has nothing to do besides right. wait for the trash. Right. All she cares about on Monday night is waiting for that clock to strike six because the city says you cannot put your bullshit out until after 6 p.m. And so by 6.20 every single week, you can look outside at the end of her driveway and you will know, is it recycling week or is it only a trash week? Because she will have done done the job ahead of time god forbid when she dies it's just going to be pure chaos and we no one will ever know whether or not it's recycling
Recycling Week. Right. But she is the intelligence source that I have used through the years to judge whether or not to put the recycling bin out. And he walks outside, sees that her recycling bin is out and no one else's is, and is like, nope, I'm throwing down my $15 on it not being recycling. God but damn this, it. Uh, like a, he wanted one thing to be right. So instead of like looking at information saying, oh, that person has it. They're like, oh, this person bias. stands alone, and my original theory is correct. Everybody he else is right. He just didn't think. What he right. did was he walked outside looking for recycling bins. Right. And he saw one where he saw <laughs> none with the rest of the street. So his head said no one put out recycling. But what – and what I pointed out to him was we all put out our trash no matter what. So the trash comes every week. Right. The recycling only comes every other week. Right. So there's no one who just puts out recycling. Right. You put out trash and recycling. And this was like, what, six something. So people just hadn't done it yet. I wanted to know what number of recycling bins would have tripped the chemicals in I his brains <laughs> over to the I other side, so. right? Because that's all. Like, if it is just one, would a second one yeah. have gotten him over the hump, or would it have required think, like four or five? I think one in, in either direction. You look one way, you see yeah. one. You look the other way, you see another one. Like, all right, that's that's enough. Yeah. Maybe we finished the Florida documentary. Jesus Christ! It was it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> I have nothing further. Everything that I said about that piece of shit show, I have said last week, and I will not say anything further about it. That's all we watched besides football. Yeah, we watched. I even watched some of the. the I didn't even watch that much football. Watched the Giants game last night, which was a just whew, disaster of comical and absurd, and like I, it, it was like the ineptitude and like because you pile the. Like, it's one thing when the breaks don't go your way. And, I like, five minutes into that game, you could say, all right, so the the breaks just didn't go our way there in the on the first drive. There's a bad snap. Right. There's a shank. There's some weather issues. It's a, it's a blocked kick, and it, it just happens to bounce into the guy's right at his feet, and he scoops it up, and he runs 60 yards for the score. Uh, that's just a bad break to start the season. Uh that feeling lasted about four additional minutes before like six other ridiculous things happened in that game. As you pointed out, Abe, it was 19 to nothing before the Cowboys scored their first offensive touchdown. That's crazy. Uh, this was a disaster. <laughs> and, it, and it it summed up for me is Daniel Jones, who got paid a modest sum of money for an NFL quarterback, which is still... Uh, a gross exaggeration of the amount of money he should have been paid, right? Like he's, he's only getting like $10 million a year, which is like triple or four times as much as a uh, Daniel Jones figure should be paid. Uh, but he throws the ball to Saquon Barkley, who has uh, recently uh, re-upped for one more year here before uh, trying to sell his services elsewhere, no doubt, uh, in the future. So a very solid player. Uh, running backs don't matter, sadly, in the National Football League. This is... Uh, it's a numbers game, and you you don't want one. You want, like, four. Right. And then, then you've got a good running game. Uh, but uh, Daniel Jones throws it to Saquon, who turns slowly or, or turns upfield, and there's immediately a hat on the ball, yeah. like, before he can even really make a move. And the hat just sort of squirts out 
from under his arm into the air into the arms of the waiting Cowboys receiver. <laughs> they didn't even hit the ground. Right, right. It's not even a fumble. They don't even call it a fumble. It's just a that goes as a Daniel Jones interception, which was clearly a completed pass right. to Saquon, which turns into an interception. Which I think did that go for six as well. I think that one went for I six don't know. as well. I wasn't watching. Wow. Uh, fucking total disaster. Uh, very bad news for the Giants. Uh, who I assume will be very bad this year moving forward as well. The only good silver lining to come out of this fucking game is that I think the Cowboys people are going to be supremely overconfident oh, yes. in their current situation. Oh, yes. uh, and I, uh, Dak is, I'm sorry, Dak is still going to throw like 20 fucking picks this year, everyone. It's coming. Uh, but for right now, they believe they're riding high and they're going to beat the Eagles and all that bullshit. It's not happening. The uh, Cowboys also suck. I, I know. It's just one week and people overreact. But, you know, like, with, I didn't see Daniel Jones uh, and the Giants, but I did see uh, uh, Justin Fields and the Bears. And uh, coming into the season, there was a lot of hype about he was going to turn things around. And he just looked the same kind of crummy quarterback, like with the Chicago Bears. And so, like, right. I don't know if anything – I think that's like a done experiment. I don't think the Justin Fields thing is going to work out. Probably not. And then you've also got uh... – uh, Joe Burrow had a terrible first game. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, right? assuming that that was just like a, because of his recent injury. Like, because yeah, that was a god awful performance by the Bengals. Like, uh, they lost twenty four to three and ruined my parlay on Sunday. I, I had a pretty solid five way parlay and everything went well except for that fucking game. I thought I was in the in the money, but no, that was the one that ruined me. Oh, there's no justice uh, in the world, Deshaun. Watson gets all that money. He comes back and is winning. Like greatly disparage, and the greatly disparaged Jared Goff gets a big win on uh, <laughs> on right. Thursday night against the Chiefs. <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess it's just fucking football season now, and that's everything that we're gonna watch uh, from now yeah. until we die. Well, if Fridays we can watch other stuff. If you stop watching baseball, yeah, but that's the thing. Baseball's like getting yeah, good now well, too. Yeah, that's what you're so. getting then. So. What are you going to do? I'm going to go watch Hulu. Abe, you uh, got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we'll talk to you next time. Later. I think I looked it up five years ago that I got these. Very basic, cheap, lightweight, over-the-ear Panasonics uh, for $6.35 is what I paid on Amazon. And now, five years in, little foam is like oh coming flappy. apart. That's uh, pretty good though for six ninety nine. Yeah. I sent them. I, I I gave them to my daughter to use uh, playing her video games while we were watching football, so she could play yeah. on the video game and not bother us with the, the noises. And I got them back from her, and I was like, "Did I give these to you with the the foam all flappy and coming apart?" It's like, yeah, that's how they were. It's like, I hadn't noticed it before then. Might have to take that uh, out of the Amazon birthday money that you've got saved up so I can get myself some new headphones. <laughs> the good thing about that price point, uh, you won't miss them when they're gone. You know, like if you lose them, that's so a I good price. So I went back on Amazon and I found foam replacement pads for these. So I've got like four. For that specific or just like a universal kind of? Like a general. Uh, yeah. Yes, but non-specific to How Panasonic. How much did those cost? Those are like five ninety-five for a set of eight, I think. Okay, so we're gonna have. 
We're going to have 20 pieces of trash. We're going to have 20 years worth of headphone (laughs) foam replacements for my my $7 Panasonic headphones that I got five years ago. And I ordered a second uh, backup pair of Panasonic. Why didn't you just buy that? Why didn't I just buy what? The backup pair of the headphones. So I was going to get two, is how crazy I was going to. I no, was going to get. That makes wow. way more sense than buying a pair of headphones that's perfectly good and also a pile of trash. No, no, it's a foam. Had the price stayed the same over the years? It's still $6.99? No. Fucking inflation's out of control, Abe. Get out. What are we up to? $9.79. Wow. On Look ear, no mic, cheap plastic. Wired to a 3.5 millimeter jack, the ideal product. The same sort of headphones that I had on my Discman in 1999 or 2000. I don't like them as much. I like the ones that go in my ear oh, like Fuck this. those. Those suck. They block out too What's much wrong? of the ambient noise of, in, the, in the room around you. This is, oh, this is well, perfect for that. Oh, well, it's funny because my, the ambient noise that in the room that I'm sitting in is you screaming into the microphone <laughs> that I have in my ears. So... It's, it's a feature, a, not a bug. Yeah. <laughs> the point is, with the foam replacements and the new headphones, so that's 10, I get five years of use out of each of those things. I mean, we're, talk- we're good until I'm dead at this point on the right. on-ear Panasonic headphones. The proceeding was created with 100% human content.